Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Mm. Good afternoon and welcome to The Late Lunch. This is Irene Gahan sitting in for Jerry Kelly. Now, we've a really busy show today with quite a few guests and a great competition from Carlingford Lock Cruises later in the show. But our first day, guest today is Paddy Cox. And Paddy was the recipient of a second kidney transplant after he'd almost given up hope before he got a miracle phone call for a suitable, door, a suitable organ. Paddy's on the line now. Paddy, hi, good afternoon. Hi, Irene. How are you keeping? Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. Brilliant. How are things? How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling very good. You know, um, I said, yeah, in just a month, transplanted now. So there's still a lot of side effects, a lot of, you know, the tremors and uh, overwhelming. You know, the feelings behind it is, uh, it is surreal. It is so surreal. Um, but it's what I, you know, five weeks ago, I was on dialysis and, uh, my body, I wasn't doing well on it. I won't lie to you. Um, I was zero percent kidney function for roughly five years on the machine, and only after recently I didn't. I knew it wasn't going well for me. Um, yeah. I knew the machine wasn't going great. I knew my body wasn't withstanding the dialysis itself. So uh, just to get the phone call. It was um, yeah. To this day, it's kind of a blur. You know what I mean? It's like, am I really off dialysis? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, just to wake up to have a pint of water or see, you know, being able to piss, you know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it must have been a great relief for you to get that phone call because this is the second time you've had to have yeah. the surgery. But um, I know you had said that while it's, you know, while it's wonderful for you to have this amazing gift um, a second yeah. time round, there's an element of gift because an element of guilt, as it were, because you feel that somewhere this family is going through an awful lot of pain. Oh, massively, massively. Um, yeah, so I suppose I realised more the second time round. I suppose when I got my first kid, I was very young, and you know, um, this time round, it's just I I probably think more about the family that I actually got the kidney from. Yeah. So for me to have another life, another chance of life is there's a family out there and they're going through probably one of the hardest pains or grief they'll ever come across, you know, from a loved one. And there is that side of it's very overwhelming that you'd be thinking, God, why, why did I deserve it? And, you know, that kind of way. And I suppose in my, my own transplant unit, my own, sorry, my own dialysis unit, um, you become very close with the people around you, the patients. 
and it's just because you do the same hours, same days, three times a week, and you do get to know them very well. And there is an element of, oh, I wish, you know, John got it or Mary got it instead of me, or yeah. you know, there's so many. Your your mind does play a lot of tricks on you, especially especially now that I have so much time to myself and my thoughts, and um, you know, instead of being constantly on the go with the likes of dialysis and trying to live some kind of normal life. Yeah. Um, now, at the moment, you kind of have to stop, recover. So, yeah, I do. I think a lot, an awful lot about the family that are going through that so unbearable pain. Yeah. The likes of myself and hopefully a few other people got organs from the deceased, you know. And can you explain, um, you're 35 years old now, aren't you? Uh, 25 years young, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But can you explain kind of what life has been like since kind of from the moment you got the actual kidney? Like, the, the I mean, there's an awful lot you have to go through. I mean, you have to go through effectively a, um, a chemotherapy. So can you kind of explain the process that, you know, you had to go through from that point? Because you have to be extremely careful. And it's... Yeah. As well as that, it has to be a perfect match, doesn't it? It has to be an absolute 100% match. Exactly, exactly. That. Like, I suppose being my second transplant, I, I was open to antibodies. Yeah. So antibodies will basically attack any foreign object, or, or like a kidney or a pancreas, something like that. Um, so you basically get antibodies from your first transplant. Yeah. So going in for my second one, I am, there was that high risk there. But um, yeah, it's been, it's kind of been surreal the whole time. It's... Uh, Constant pain and um, yeah, it's kind of hard to hard to put a, a figure on it. Yeah, um, it, it can't be yeah, easy. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. No, no, not cause. Um, and I suppose the but, constant worry of infection as well. I didn't realise that you can't even go out into the sun. Yeah, that's one I didn't really know myself until this time round. Um, yeah. We are very because we're high um, risk. We are susceptible to uh, skin cancer. Yeah. Um, so really, it takes up to five to six months before we're actually in the clear. Um, so yeah, I am. I'm kind of cautious with that as well. And but it's it's everything together. The body is just it's going from being run by a machine to having to restrain on you know go on its own form, its own. The medication is very tough, and rejection tablets, and it's a uh, yeah. Even though it's such it's such a great feeling, and I am waking up every day a lot more stronger. Um, there is an element of oh, you know, what about rejection? What about this? What about that? And uh, I'm, I'm very lucky at the minute. My kidney is doing fantastic. But uh, when I did get my transplant at the beginning, um, I was going through what they call a sleepy kidney. Yeah, I. And so it was nearly five days of the kidney not working, and I was just, I was just all over the place. I won't lie to you. Um, I was in a lot of pain because I, I actually got an abscess under my scar, the scar tissue. Um, so I had to go back down to Teeter probably two days, three days after I got my kidney. And mm-hmm. then the kidney wasn't functioning at all and there was infection, then I had the abscess and back to Teeter. And all all I was going through my head was, you know, this kidney is not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's, not, it's not lasting. And that's the one after going to, you know, having to pass away for me to get this kidney that I can't get it going for myself. Yeah. And, and you were thinking you were back going to be back in surgery, back in theatre all over again, and they'd have to start to get all over again. Yeah, it was just like the pain was just getting worse and worse, mm-hmm. and it was just the abscess kind of burst around the kidney. Oh. Um, now it's just one of the things that can happen, but because uh, my immune system is so low, um, they basically have to inject me with this kind of a 
I forget the name, but actually kills all your immune system, your cells, just before you go down, go down to the theatre. Um, so it's actually put it to me, like everybody has their defence, which is like a soldier. And then when you get attacked by bacteria or infection, your soldier will, will call in its backup. Yeah. And the way they put it to me is, I don't have that soldier yet. And it will take a long time for that to build that soldier to build up himself. Um, so that's why I say at the minute, for the next probably three or four months, I will be open to every infection bug going. And then obviously a knock-on effect of that is the kidney will take a bit of a beating at the same time. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of there's still a lot, an awful lot of worry um, around just keeping healthy myself, you know, and just kind of keep, especially with COVID, it's still it's still going, you know, it's still Absolutely. rampant, and I have that fear of COVID there still probably more than ever because I know my immune system is completely wiped. Yeah, so yeah. that would amplify everything that's going on as well. The amplify the amplify the worry and everything as well. Oh, massively, massively. Yeah. Yeah. Like you touch. Uh, a countertop or anything and you're constantly worried about wash your hands, wash your hands and I probably have the cleanest hands at Ireland now at this stage. I won't like it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love how you described when you um when you woke up on the sixth morning and, and you saw that things are starting to possibly turn around. I thought that must have been a nice that must have been nice for you to kinda of go, Okay, well there's a little bit of there's a glimmer of hope here. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a weird moment. I think I suppose from a lot of your listeners uh listening today they're like why is he doing, why is he, you know, so uh, all over and stuff with the bag of, you know, urine or whatever. But like, go five years that I was having even the smallest bit of urine. And then to go through your transplant and then five days, there's no urine, the kidney's not working or it's sleepy. Yeah. And then like that, my, my uh, creatinine um, was at a thousand. Now, basically, if I had the creatinine at, it was at a thousand for two days. Um, if it went another day, it would have, well, it's the kidneys that have to be taken out and all that crack. Um, so basically, yeah, it was, it was touch and go. And I, I was, I was a ball of nerves, ball of, you know, I was a wreck. Oh, that's understandable. Wake up, yeah, <laughs> but to wake up the next day and my urinary bag was full and it wasn't cloudy, dirty, it was just pure gold. It was just liquid gold, as we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got the bag and I hugged it. I won't lie to you. I know it's disgusting, but I, I hope that. <laughs> I love that you've got such a great sense of humour about it. I, can, I, I suppose looking back, you know, no one knows what, no one knows how to, you know, how you're going to react when you're in that situation. But it's, you, but you're, you want to kind of explain to people the process and explain what happens. And and I love the way you do it with such a sense of humour as well. I'm sure at the time it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't pleasant. But you you really well, want to take the humour aspect to it to kind of explain to people that you know. Water, a pint of water on uh, a pint of water if you're on dialysis could uh, could kill could kill you. A hundred percent, yeah. Uh. Like when I I'm I zero percent function for I suppose, the last five years. Um, so basically, we're not to drink. We're not to drink. Everything okay. we absorb is actually through our food. So it's actually majority of, of fluid actually in like your chicken and rice and your diet. Obviously, is a big um, is massive with dialysis. Um, but we told not to be even made to have a drink. They have to get a cube of ice and rub it around your mouth. And, you know, you do that for five years. Then you wake up next day after a transplant and say, right, drink three litres straight away. And you're, <laughs> I, I know it sounds so easy, but to, even to drink that pint of water, you're like, I can't. If I drink this, I'm going to get a heart attack. I'm, yeah. I'm going to die because this way Dallas is, actually works. Yeah. Um, well, psychologically as well, I would, understand, I would imagine as well, it would be a very difficult thing to, to do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I like I remember on the other and I 
One night I went to bed and I was so thirsty. I was actually having really bad dialysis. And I got a really small glass of water and just took a few mouthfuls out. And I was afraid to go to sleep the whole night oh with gosh. the fear of where that water was going. It was going to go to my heart. Yeah. It was going to go to my lungs. And so I actually stayed up the whole night just oh. with the fear of not waking up the next day. Oh and gosh. this is constant with every dad's patient. As much as we don't, yeah. we don't talk about it. You know, it's not talked about as much as it really should be. Um, which is sad. It is sad. You know, we're... Yeah. Oh no, it's um, completely, it is completely understandable. I mean, not, you know, it's it's... It's not. It's very difficult to talk about stuff when you're actually going through it. It's afterwards and trying to explain to people. I think I would imagine. But while you were on yeah. dialysis, you started a, a range of clothes. Tell us about that. I did. Yeah. So uh, we, I started a company called Dialyze Clothing. So we basically catered for, which started out just myself. I done one or two myself. Their garments with, uh, like underarm and chest axes for my dialysis. Basically, just so you know, keep it warmer and the. So I made a few for myself and then it kind of escalated from there. Other patients were on to me and then I kind of sat down there and said, well, I can't just make something for me for dialysis. So there's so many other illnesses that could benefit. Oh, absolutely. And that's when we looked into, obviously chemotherapy is massive, yeah. you know, so, you know, we jumped into that side of things and then um, one of my friends was actually going through chemotherapy at the time. So we got a lot of intel from her and what, what she kind of needed. Yeah. And then... Uh, we looked into Crohn's, we looked into diabetes, and so yeah, like our class, we have full access underneath the arm, the chest, the abdomen. Um, we actually have a waterproof castor pocket on the inside, so everything's very hidden, very sleek, but the average sport is inside looking as well. Yeah. Um, this is where I wanted to kind of go with the company was just because you're sick or ill, you don't have to yeah. look sick or ill. You can still be trendy, you can still be cool, go around place, and the most important thing for me is. They're functional, you know. Yeah, and where they, can people um, where can people find out about this range of clothes? Where can people get more information? Yes, um, so like it's all online at the minute. Obviously, you know, because it's um, it's that kind of a thing. To really tell the story of dialysis, it has to be kind of social media, so on Facebook, Instagram. Um, but our website is www.dialyzedclothing.com. Um, so you can check out our range. Uh, we do have a new website at the moment, so there's a there you know, might be a few little here and there. <laughs> We're no. still working on it, but the majority of it is very, very good. Um, but I won't say go, look, we get messages from patients every single day how much is happening and um, that's no. the best part of the business, that, really. You know, it, it's, it escalated so overnight, really, for us. Yeah. No, it's a great issue and it's an absolutely great thing to do and um, we'd like to wish you the very, very best of luck with uh, it. Paddy, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on this afternoon. I really, really appreciate it and look after no, yourself, God. okay? Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Paddy. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome back to the, from the break. This is Irene Gahan sitting in for Jerry Kelly on The Late Lunch on LMFM. Now we ha- talk to Enda O'Doherty, who is a... Uh, Motivational speaker and from Study Skills Ireland. Enda, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Irene. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Not at all. Now, we are nearly at uh, that time of the year when exams are coming up and our young people are doing their leaving cert and their junior cert. 
Um, and obviously with Study Skills Ireland, you have seen, you've been through this um, and obviously with school as well, you've been through this quite a bit. So what are your tips and not necessarily for students, but what are your tips for parents and guardians and families of, of kids about to approach exams? Because they've been through a really, really hard two years. So what would you recommend they should be doing now? Well, there's a, there's a million things you could do, Arian. I think I think you've done something terrible there straight away. The minute you see Leaving Cert, anyone listens to this, their hair on their back of the neck, whether they're adults or kids, has gone straight up. And they're going, oh, my God, we're having flashbacks to, depending on your age, Peg, Julius Caesar, Shakespeare, whatever whatever floated your boat or didn't, as the case may be when you did the exams. I think we all, we all are stressed by it. But, you know, there's very basic things that I would say to parents do. The number one is this, is that, you know, if you had a bad experience in school or if Leaving Cert made you anxious and you feel uptight, you might also be very aware that the points are important and that it influences your child's career. But what you don't want to do is transfer your anxiety and your stress to them. And um, the poor creators have had the worst ever two years between lockdown, lock up, zoom in, zoom out. Um, I, I spoke to a group of people recently, Irene, live and uh, everyone fell around laughing because I said, you know, it's the first time in two years that I've spoken to people without my pajamas on me, because normally I'm suited and booted for the top half and pajamas for the bottom. So my, my number one tip for parents would be this to stay calm. And, you know, the analogy, it's OK to be anxious and nervous when you're with your partner talking about your child. But when you're with them, be calm. It's a bit the analogy is, can you imagine if you were on a boat? or on a plane and the captain came on and he said, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to enter a storm and it's not looking good, lads. It's not looking good. You'd want to get off that plane so quickly. So I think our job as parents and guardians is to be, you know, to be that calming presence. I think the other thing we can do too is, you know, I'm unfortunately, I'm, I've been in education or fortunately for 33 years. And I'll tell you this, the leaving cert is not the finish line. It's the start line. And if you saw somebody on the start line of a marathon and they were jumping up and down and high fiving everyone and sweating and stressed out of their head, you would probably go over if you knew anything about marathons and say, listen, you need to calm down. You have 26 miles ahead of you. Yeah. And, you know, whatever points you get in the leaving cert, it's the starting point for your next course, for your next part of your career. It's a long journey. Um, you know, I, a sixth year said to me recently, he said, God, Enda, he said, you know, I, I, I'm really stressed. I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I said, well, I'm 54 and a half and I don't know what I want to do with my life either. I said, it's OK, you know, but yeah, I would think take the stress off them, you know, tell them, look, whatever you get, we're on to the next stage. Just do your best. Stay calm, stay happy and remind them too, you know, that getting stressed and anxious, a little bit of anxiety allows you to perform well. But if you get too stressed and too anxious, it can really stop you getting your best result in the exam. No, absolutely. And I mean, I suppose from you've been doing study skills and you did some up in the TLT for the Drogheda Grinds Academy. So you've probably seen about 600 students from Drogheda and Navan go through your study skills uh, seminar. And it, it's it's filled with fun and laughter and practical suggestions and practical ideas about what students can do at this point, because most of them are finishing up. They're doing their like graduation masses and their graduation ceremonies are kind of happening this week. So I suppose from a practical perspective, I mean, I know, from my perspective, my my mom was very good. She kept the house very calm. She kept everything quiet. She made sure I had my breakfast. She sent me off, you know, would it just do your best every day? And I suppose as parents, that's what we want. So from a practical perspective, I mean, everything's life's so busy at the moment. From a practical day to day, what would you recommend? Yeah. So like from from a from a student point of view, maybe first of all, I'd say this is, you know, going into any exam, have an exam plan. Which questions are you answering? How much time? What order? 
any plan is better than just wandering in and starting the exam and drifting through it and making bad decisions. So take the time out from study to realize, you know, on the day it's about performance. So which will I answer? How many of them will I answer? How much time will I answer? And that can really make a difference to your grade. I think the other thing is, you know, there's not much time left. Time is very finite at the moment. So I say to all my students right now, you want to get bang for your buck. So if you're going to study something, study something that has come up fairly regularly, study something that comes up and not only does it come up a lot, but you know roughly what they're going to ask and practice that. You know, sometimes there's a panic mechanism and you say, geez, I'm going to do 25 chapters tonight. And really, you know, at this stage, you might have been better off doing three and do them really, really well. So I'd say, you know, get value for money from your study. Um, I think, too, you know, look after your health. You know, it's it's probably the time that you really need to be sleeping. It's very stressful. You need to be looking after your nutrition. You need to get fresh air and exercise. You know, locking yourself in a room and drinking 20 cups of coffee is really just a recipe for migraine and forgetting most of what you learned. So, you know, work hard, but make sure that you're kind and happy in yourself because that's going to help you perform a lot better. I think for the mommies and daddies listening to this, you know, um, small things, you know, if you if you know they particularly like their spag ball, you know, have the spaghetti bolognese for them when they come out of that exam on the Monday and um, have a backup plan for traveling there and two exams so that, you know, the stress of worrying of what if we're late or what if something goes wrong, make sure they're out of the house good and early and they're at their exams. Maybe a practical thing would be stick an exam timetable up on your own fridge. So, you know, you're not in bed when you should be doing biology or you're not driving to biology when you should be in bed. You know, small practical things. I think, um, you know, certainly when they come in from the exam, ask them how they got on, but park it very quickly because the only person's opinion about the exam that matters is the person correcting it probably three weeks or four weeks after they've done it. So going over, you know, did I do well or what did I do badly or God, that was a disaster. You know, certainly hear them out, give them some encouragement, give them some support, but park the exams very, very quickly because the postmortem really has no real benefit for the student going forward and keep their eyes on that. I think maybe, you know, if you're the mommy or the daddy, we all know our kids better than anyone else. Build in some nice treats. You know, maybe for your kid, it's time out. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's going to the cinema. You know, have something good in the distance that they'd look forward to. Irene, I come back from a holiday. Do you know what I do the very first day I come back? Wow. I go straight down the travel agent and put a deposit of 10 euro. And they laugh at me in the travel agents because the 10 euro deposit doesn't do anything. But that that ability to look forward to something good, that's really important for our young people. And, you know, I feel so sorry for them. Like, like COVID-19 was frightening. It was tense. It was scary. The Leaving Cert, you know, is a tough exam. And, and these young people doing the Junior Cert and Leaving Cert have probably had the most difficult run in ever. And we need as as educators and as teachers, you know, we need to be kind to them and we need to to help them as much as we can through this because it has been a really, really challenging time, you know. And you touched on a point there about making sure that you keep up with your exercise. And that's one thing I suppose I think is really important that you keep up with your sport. I mean, a lot of six years will give up their sport. And I think, you know, obviously this is close to the exams, but don't give it up. Don't not go out no. and go for that run. Make sure you get your fresh air. Is that what, how you feel as well? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mentor students one-on-one as part of my study skills Ireland program. And, you know, I had a young man two years ago, he got, he got maximum points in his leaving cert. And we were chatting when he finished up and I said, look, give me your number one tip. And I thought he was going to say, you know, positive revision program or learn memory skills or learn how to concentrate better in class. And he said to me, uh, 
get out of breath and sweaty every day. That's what got me partly there. He said, because I was more relaxed. I was more focused. I felt physically strong and mentally strong. And, you know, it's the same as adults. You know, if you get a really bad flu or God forbid, you get really bad diarrhea or something, you know, when you're physically weak, you don't feel like learning. You don't remember stuff. So absolutely stick, stick with it and stick on top of it. You know, the terrible thing, Irene, that I see, I know you and I have talked about this before, but you know, in schools quite a bit, you'll have a teacher will say, right, lads, chapter 15 is really important. I want everyone to go home and study it tonight. But they never say how or they never say, listen, if you've got dyslexia, it's a bad idea for you to stare at the book for an hour. You're just going to get a headache. Or, you know, if you if you work better with visual aids, maybe you should be watching this in video format. And, you know, I, I feel so sorry for kids because what we've done in Ireland is we've continually cranked up the pressure, cranked up the points. But we haven't cranked up the mental health supports or the study skill supports to look after the kids. And I think that's wrong. Yeah. And I, I have to agree with you. Yeah. After having gone through uh, sort of six cycles of, of it in the grind school and seeing those six years go through it six different times. And you obviously over the period of your career, you would have had an awful lot as well. There's an awful lot to be said for watching out for their mental health, making sure they're okay, even down to breakfast in the morning, making sure they go out with a banana, making sure they get some lunch, making sure they bring water. I mean, water is huge. I mean, to stay hydrated. And I suppose all those little things all add up. I mean, we can't all be relying on the grandmother, as you say, lighting the candle, um, hoping that. Ah, listen, the child of Prague works and so does lighting the candle. Look, any, you know, whatever makes people happy, whatever makes people perform better, do that and you know if granny wants to do that let her at it but i think um you know for our young people going to the exams we, we simply want the best from it. it's funny like i mean I, I i running study skills ireland people think it's like some sort of boot camp you know hell week for for students and like i said look certainly you learn techniques but the thing is any student i've ever worked with my first two goals are one that they're healthy two that they're happy because in my in my 30 whatever years experience of teaching the kids who are happy and the kids who are healthy find a way to achieve. Yeah. And, you know, an achievement too is getting your max results. You know, if your max is 300 points, celebrate it. And uh, if your max is 625, celebrate it. But like I said, remember, you know, it's a long and twisting road, you know, as to what results or, you know, what career you end up in. It's not predefined. That exam does not define you. It just puts you on the start line and gives you a little nudge to help you in one direction. But um, there's a million different directions you can go. I would think nearly every adult I know is working or studying in something that they knew nothing about or had no intention of doing from the very start, you know. And, and I suppose that's a good a good thing for our young people going into the next two weeks as well. Kind of just stay healthy and happy. Yeah, stay healthy and happy, and like uh, not not to, not to be too depressing. But this time next year, you'll be doing your first two exams, and the following year it could be second year, and the following year it could be third year. And because we live in Ireland, if you want to deliver milk in Ireland, you need a master's in milkology. So you'll be doing your master's, and you'll qualify, and you'll start your job. And the first thing your boss will say, if you want to get ahead in this company, you need to do some exams. So it's on, it's just part of life, you know, but like there are lots of other parts of your life, too, that are going to contribute to your success. And, you know, certainly it's called a test for a reason. Like it's not meant to be cuddles. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but um, it shouldn't be the be all and end all. And if you stay calm, if you use good plans, good strategies, you'll be absolutely fine. I promise you. And uh, thank you so much, Enda Hodarity, a motivational speaker and the CEO of Study Skills Ireland. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Late Lunch. Thanks a million for having me on, Arnie. Take care. Best of luck. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. The all-new Dacia Jogger has arrived. Ireland's most affordable full-size seven-seater family car. With three full rows of seating and with extendable 2,000-litre storage, the spacious Jogger has all the space you need. Book your test drive now. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Now, welcome back. Um, our next guest is Dundalk man Kieran Pickering, and nine is a very important number to you, isn't it, uh, Kieran? You're on the line there with us. Hi, Irene. Yeah, it certainly is. It's an important number for an important an important event now in June. So it is. And tell us about why. Tell us about the walk that you're you're going to be doing on the first of June. Yeah, so from the 1st of June until the 9th of June. So for nine days, I'm going to be walking nine kilometres each day um, for a very personal cause, as I'm sure we're going to get to. Absolutely. (laughs) In a wee second. So can you explain to our listeners why it's so important to you? Yeah, of course I can. So basically, um, now I'm 38 years old. I was born in 1984. My, I had a sister called Michelle who unfortunately died uh, in 1981. So I unfortunately never got to meet her. Uh, and she died when she was nine uh, of leukemia. So that's the, the background story behind my reason and purpose for wanting to do a charity event like this and obviously the money as well the charity is I may as well give them a plug now it's the Absolutely. Bone Marrow for Leukemia Trust and I have to say a big thanks to a girl called Samantha up there who's been a great help Yeah so her anniversary is on the 9th of June which is why you're actually going to uh, have the walk on that particular day and how did the how did the idea for the walk come about? Oh look it was just me I look at it I have to plug a podcast as well I have my own podcast with my best mate Kev it's called the Kevin Pickle <laughs> Show and um, I come up with loads of ideas every day this was just something that came into my head now the reason behind it was because a lot of people are asking me why did you suddenly come up with a, a thought for like your sister who's been obviously deceased for this long and it was very simple I found out this year um, that my sister would have actually turned 50 mm. and I didn't realise that I didn't even realise that, to be completely honest. I had never met my sister. Unfortunately, she was a, a name on a headstone. That's the real the realism of it, so it is. Mm-hmm. So when this kind of kicked, when this sank into me, it, it annoyed me a lot that I was 38 and I didn't really know a massive amount about my sister. So since then, I'm trying to find more things. And then, like, yeah, so she died in 1981. So the reason for the nine kilometres for nine days is that obviously nine nines are 81. So it's 81 kilometres, which is the year that she passed away. And I'll finish on her anniversary, which, as you said, is the 9th of June. Yeah, well, it's a wonderful cause. I mean, the charity, the Bone Marrow and Leukemia Trust charity, it's it's a very, very worthy charity and I'm sure they'll be absolutely um, delighted with any support that they get for it. Um, you're setting up an I Donate page for for your walk, for your ni- 90, 81 kilometres. Yeah, we're going to set it up. So like, it's set up at the minute, but we're going to promote, like everything's being yeah. done through the podcast pages. So like anybody, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or Snapchat, you name it, we're on. It's just called the Kev and Pickle Show. It's going to be basically from Monday the 30th, so two days before it starts. I'll put it out then because I didn't want to be putting it out too early. Otherwise, people will be like, when is this guy ever going to start walking? Um, I'm, I'm donating money here and he's still sitting sitting down on his couch. So basically on Monday the 30th, we'll put it out and it'll be then... Actually, look, we might run it for maybe a week after it, possibly as well, but just to try and get as much money for the charity as possible. Like, 
Yeah, well, look, we wish you the very, very best, Kieran. Um, and it's definitely a worthy, a worthy charity. And best of luck with the eighty-one kilometers. I'm. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely, yeah. it's it's definitely well, a feat to, to, to do. Yeah, I'm not. The, I'm clearly not the fittest man in the world, so it'll be a challenge for myself and that job in between it all as well. So we're getting out early in the morning and going out late at night. But look, it's all for my sister Michelle. Like it's in all memory, yeah. so it is. So um, if that's not a, a drive for me to go and do it, then nothing ever will. Will be, but um, yeah, I just want to get the word out. So, look, we'll have it out um, on all the, like I said, on all the podcast stuff. We have episodes every Sunday night, so we'll be talking about it there. And then I'll update it through Instagram Live, Facebook Live, and I'm out walking season. Everybody get to see my struggles as I'm uh, trying to do my uh, nine kilometres a day. Well, we wish you the very best of luck here, and thanks for being with us this afternoon. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Talk to our van specialist, Danny, about the new Renault traffic and master range. Visit blackstonemotors.ie to see our massive range of light commercials with same-day business finance. Now, welcome back. Uh, shortly, we'll be talking to our resident vet, Sinead Kelly, for everything pet and animal related. But first, if you have any questions for Sinead, you should text them in or WhatsApp them in to us on 086 658 and we will uh, we will read them out. We will put the questions to Sinead. Sinead, good afternoon. How are you? I'm grand, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Come here. We had Chris Kelly of the Kilronan uh, Rescue Centre on last week telling us about the amount of new dogs and puppies being surrendered oh, it's crazy, yeah. Yeah. because of behavioural issues um, yeah. which is it seemed 30,000 euro worth of dogs, um, yeah. Covid dogs they call it, had been surrendered. So what advice would you give to um, you know? Oh, to anybody I think the biggest anyone, thing is, is people need to think twice before they go out and get um, in particular a dog because I yeah. think the thing that a lot of people don't realise is just they are an awful lot of work yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to want a dog to fit into your family and you know that they will be happy and you will be happy, um, you need to do a lot of time with training. You need to spend a lot of time with them. You need to provide really well for their you know environment and comfort and stimulation. And I think the biggest problem with most dogs, and um, I've often said this to, to Jerry, said a lot of times, is just that people just don't have time. You know, um, they, they kind of expect that they'll get a puppy in the holidays and then when they go back to work, you know, five days a week, nine to five or eight to six or whatever, that the dog will be fine on his own in the house. And they're not. They they're just not. get yeah. really, really, really bored. And so an awful lot of behaviour issues are are due to just the animals are just not stimulated, not interested, nothing to do. Another problem is also people maybe looking into getting the wrong kind of dog. You know, some dogs are just going to need even more attention and stimulation than others so there was a period where say huskies were very very popular um, and they really are difficult dogs to have as household. oh I can They're tell you they to be working dogs you know they want to be yeah. doing things well I got a husky we got a husky before they were popular yeah. and he unfortunately we had to um, we had to put him down about a week ago because oh. he was 10 years old and he had diabetes oh, and he him. was blind um, and it's you know oh it's broken our hearts I, I mean they become like with a family but oh, this is before everybody got a husky and everyone oh. adored him and yeah. stuff but he needed two hours walking he needed an hour in the morning yeah. and an hour in the evening yeah 
And the reality is that, you know, you really have to decide who's going to do that. And yeah. normally it's the kids pushing for the dog. And, and who ends up doing it? Normally it's mommy who ends up doing it, <laughs> as well as trying to get the kids ready for school and do the lunches and yeah. do the ironing and do everything else and probably work as well. So yeah. I think the biggest thing for people is just to stop a minute and think, yeah, the puppy looks really cute, but yeah. you still need to get up early so the dog gets a good walk for work. You still need to be able to bring the dog out several times for exercise. You still need to be able to train them, feed them properly, cater for their needs, bring them to the vet, look after them. It's a lifelong it's commitment. It's literally it's like having any other child. It's literally yeah, like having like, even exactly. two it's children. It's like having a perpetual kind of four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're you know, not quite as dangerous on their own as kind of 18 month old but still you know they just yeah. it, it's I have the skirting boards to prove it yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. and I remember even the so when uh, I had a dog that I'd, I'd um, rehomed from when I was a vet student and, and finally he passed away when Shona was a baby my first child and I thought Jesus I don't really have time for another dog at the minute and it was probably not until the kids were you know four and eight where I kind of thought okay so right we have a bit more time we can do this um, and yes they are a huge huge commitment and even now like similar to you like we, we lost Cleo a few months ago mm. and I definitely think right okay I don't feel it's the right time to get a new dog this year next year I'm sure somebody will turn up but you know what you notice when the dog is gone apart from missing oh. them like mad you think oh jeez I'm not walking here there and everywhere you know mm. it, it's, it's you suddenly realise there's a big gap in your life all the things you would have done with the dog and then you think yeah they were the things that we did for us to be happy and the dogs to be happy yeah I know and, absolutely and money as well people don't think of the money as well well that's so. what I was going to say because when you, you when you get a dog you have to commit to obviously obviously the feeding part of it but there's also you know you have to look after their medical needs they have to get all their shots yeah, if they're going yeah. into the kennel because you're going away yeah, kennel oh, cough the, the, the big expense is connected and I think yeah. the problem is that People just maybe don't do the research in in advance, um, you know. And I do think that people just—it's a real Irish thing as well. I was quite shocked when I came back. I graduated from Ireland in '92, was in the UK for 18 years, came back, and I was really surprised by the number of dogs in Ireland that just live outside. They run up and down a little on a line. They're outside in the kennel, uh, whereas 95% of dogs in the UK are, are inside in the house. And I was thinking, wow, like, so, I mean, dogs really are part of the family. That's why we get all the benefit from them. They're like, you know, part of the family, kids grow up with, you know, company. A dog kept outside all the time is just a miserable, unhappy dog. And of course, they're going to dig the garden. And of course, they're going to bark and drive the neighbours mad, you know, because they're sociable animals. They're pack animals. They want to be with us, you know. So I'd say an awful lot of behavioural problems are just due to people not having enough time and also maybe choosing the not the best types of dogs. Um, you know, and really it's just, it shouldn't be something that you can just kind of go, right, well, we're going to get a dog and go off today and yeah. get one. And the reality is that that's what people do often a lot of the time. Or they get a dog and they think they've done the research, but they haven't really done the proper research, as in, well, what kind of problems is this dog prone to? Is this a dog maybe who's more highly strung, who's yeah. going to need more time, more training? Is this a dog who's good with the dogs or, or more likely to be, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's an investment. It's, never it's ending. a commitment, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And also, when your dog does maybe start showing signs, the problems I think a lot of people leave it leave it leave it too late there are loads of things you can do and now we have an awful lot of very very good veterinary behaviourists and animal behaviourists in this country so if you're starting to have problems and you're seeing behaviour you're, you're, you're unhappy with then you contact your vet and you'll find the name of, of a really good behaviourist locally well, just to get some advice and there's so many things that can be done so it's not a lost cause Yeah that's what one of our one of our listeners has just texted in to say they've got a new puppy who's now five months old and he's a Jack Russell and he's mm. doing very very well 
except from the biting <laughs> except oh. for the biting he's yeah. how do you stop them biting <laughs> yeah so a lot of the time when they're puppies a lot of it's like play biting so it's, it's a game yeah. so a little bit of teething and kind of mouthing and often dogs are a bit like toddlers they yeah. kind of explore the world by putting things in their mouth so if it's a kind of a play biting you just want to you know kind of if they're going to play and they're using your hands you just pull your hands away and you say no and you stop the game often the advice is to kind of turn around ignore them don't engage until they're being calm and gentle yeah. so that'll be your kind of basic thing if they're biting with maybe a little bit of grumpiness or whatever then really you do need to get veterinary behaviourist or a behaviourist advice on that on how to nip that in the bud and also see where it's coming from a five month old Jack Russell especially if it's a male maybe already beginning to get kind of puberty type hormones coming through um, so again it's something that you need to investigate and see do we need to do something um, so definitely don't ignore it and also the thing that often drives me very crazy is, is I'll sometimes see it even like a second vaccination a puppy being cross snappy snarly and I'll say and, and owners think it's funny often they laugh and they yeah. think it's funny it's oh. funny when they're maybe 8 kilos it's not so funny when they're like 40 kilos well that's <laughs> exactly time and, and that's the problem yeah so, well that's exactly it because that's what happened with our dog I mean he was very very grumpy uh, he was four, he's 35 it was a 35 kilo dog yeah, did dog. not like going to the vet and I used to be terrified yeah, bringing yeah. him in absolutely terrified because he wouldn't bite me and he wouldn't bite my husband but if he got grumpy I'd always be terrified yeah, and they're nervous as well some yeah. dogs like as I say a lot of the dogs that were bred for working they're naturally on alert they're anxious yeah. they're worried and most dog bites happen not because of of aggression but because of fear so the dog yeah. is afraid and thinks mm, I'm going to tell these people to get lost before they do anything to me yeah. um, so it's just I often say to people when, when people come in for vaccinations and things and you list off all the things about diet and worming and socialisation and I say training classes go to basic training classes I was going to say that yeah because we went to we brought, we brought Messi to puppy 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 classes puppy oh, training yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, but even at four months old I think you do it we did it about four months old but at four months old our husky was bigger than yeah. All I the know, dogs this is the there. thing. This is the, I can't believe you've got another messy. Like, Jerry has his messy. Yes, now. we both have messies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, often people kind of think, oh, that's no fun. But actually, it can be really good fun. You yeah. get to meet other people. And more importantly, the dog gets to socialise and meet other dogs. And if you look at anyone who has dogs will know when you're out walking your dog, you can tell straight away the dogs that have not been socialised and the dogs yeah. that have been, you know. And I understand that some dogs are rescue dogs and have maybe had bad experiences and they're, they're afraid and they're anxious. And so people clutch them in their arms. But actually sometimes people are like that from the word go with their dog and that's not the way to be you need to try and get your dog used to and socialised to other dogs and yeah. strange situations and people when they're a pup and it is much much harder after that to do it and if you're going to do it when they're older then you again need some kind of behaviourist advice and help on that yeah it's very very difficult I think our, our one rule are we two rules with Messi and the first rule was he's not allowed upstairs Yeah. and the second rule was he's not allowed on the sofa Oh, I um, did those rolls too, because we had those rolls too. <laughs> <Didn't last. laughs> no, and you know what? He was very, very good. The only time he'd come up the stairs was when he was feeling sick or there was oh. fireworks. The oh, only times so you always knew he wasn't feeling well. Yeah. He needed mommy because he came up the stairs. Always absolutely wonderful. And oh, then bless. the other thing then I was going to say to you was um, puppies and dogs and socks and... Oh, yes. What's that about? <laughs> okay, so again, big thing. Again, I'm always paranoid about. I had a dog myself who I had to operate on uh, three times for eating things uh, he shouldn't have. But puppies love chewing things. Again, yeah. it's how they discover the world. And unfortunately, puppies or even older dogs who chew things and swallow things, you know, the diameter of your uh, gastrointestinal tract it has a limit. And so things can get stuck. Uh, a lot of pups love 
eating socks, socks, <laughs> swallowing socks. And often if it's a bigger dog and a smaller sock, like a baby sock, it'll pass through. Yeah. A lot of the time they won't. So again, I always say to people, like it's a great excuse to have everybody, they've got to put the dirty clothes in the wash basket or in the washing machine and no longer be leaving socks lying around the place. Or even things like hair bubbles. Uh, yeah. Very recently I opened a dog up, um, I did a, a surgery uh, under anesthesia and this dog was vomiting and there were a, a tangle of about... 20, 30 hair bobbles oh in the dog's life. stomach. And so the dog had just been like munching away on these, swallowing them, swallowing them, and swallowing them. And you know what it's like if you have daughters, anyone got girls in the house, just hair bobbles are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. So again, you have careful. to almost look at the world in the way that you look at the world differently when you have a toddler or, or a little child crawling around. Just everything is a potential. Now, some dogs are great and they won't chew anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that tendency to pick anything up that's not fixed the ground. And again, the, uh, quite apart from the risk to the health and the dog might need surgery, it's the cost of it as well. I always say to people, you know, please, please, please try and get pet health insurance. You know, these days you can Absolutely. get very affordable policies um, which will cover you for, you know, each condition will cover you probably most of them for about €4,000 per condition per year. And you might pay, you know, maybe about €150, €200 Euro a year. Often people say to me, look, I can't even afford health insurance for myself, never mind the dog. And I go, okay, I accept that. But then you need to yeah, be there. Then you are going to maybe have bills, big bills, because the reality is in veterinary medicine now and surgery, we can do pretty much can be done in human medicine. Um, and, you know, it just, you know, obviously vets are, are, are private businesses. They, they have to cover their costs. They have to, they're often trying to pay back investment on premises, on, on machinery, on lab machines. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be expensive. Do you know, so I always yeah. say when you have the puppy, get the insurance. Often people go, oh, well, get him insured now when he already maybe has been diagnosed with one or two things. And of course, the insurance company then will exclude those things. Yeah. You know? And another text has just sent in a message saying, why is my dog eating grass? Okay, so dogs, grass is a natural emetic, so it makes dogs feel nauseous. Okay. And so if a dog is feeling a bit sicky or a bit off form, often their instinct or evolution tells them to eat grass. If they're doing a bit of grass eating in the morning on an empty stomach, it's on an empty stomach, it's probably pretty normal. They can get a bit of kind of bilious vomiting or a bit of a kind of sicky tummy in the morning like a lot of us do. But if they're actually eating grass to the point that they're vomiting, um, you know, that is something that needs to be get checked out. Yeah. Because often dogs will do that because they do feel chronically sick, either maybe because they've eaten something that's got stuck or because they maybe have something going on either with their stomach or their liver or their kidney. So it's not something to ignore unless it's something where they're eating a bit of grass in the morning and they're not actually vomiting or not doing anything. Yeah. Some dogs, as they will do an occasional vomit of a little bit of bile overnight or first thing in the morning because they've just had an empty tummy uh, and they might, like I remember Cleo used to always love having a few munches of grass first thing in the morning. It's just like the way we feel often, oh, I can't face breakfast or anything in the morning because you just feel a bit bleh. Yeah. So that's fine. But if they're eating grass to the point that they're vomiting, no, you need, you to, need get to get that get checked done. out at the vet. Something is making that dog feel nauseous yeah. and nausea is not a normal feeling in the dog unless it's just a very brief kind of early morning thing you know from time to time Sinead thank you so much for being with us this afternoon and answering our questions Sinead Kelly uh, Vest thank you so much for being with us appreciate that now Navin man Brian Byrne was on with us yesterday um, to tell us about his upcoming Solstice gig on the 27th of May and he very kindly gave us two tickets to give away to a lucky listener so if you'd like to go to that gig on the 27th of May just text Navin to 086 1800 658 to win a set of tickets and we'd like to wish him the very very best of luck with his upcoming schedule 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Talk to our van specialist Danny about the new Renault traffic and master range. Visit blackstonemotors.ie to see our massive range of light commercials with same-day business finance. Now, welcome back. Uh, we have the winners of our CarlingfordLockCruise.com prize for today, Tuesday. And congratulations to Evelyn Nishidal from Kilbury. You have that won that prize today. And Brian Byrne, uh, who also gave us two tickets to the Solstice, two sets of two tickets, actually, to the Solstice on the 27th of May. We have two winners, Patsy Moore and Rosemary Faulkner. Congratulations on the, for that, winning that as well today. Now... Up next is our drive song and I want to dedicate it to my friend Jenny because we saw Duran Duran uh, in the marquee in Cork and I was in the queue for my one of my favourite songs came on. I was stuck in the queue for the Portaloos and it will stick to me to this day. I didn't get to see them on stage. So our drive song is Duran Duran, The Reflex. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Test drive the new Renault Arcana or the fully electric Zoe. Guaranteed delivery, low APR finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Now, a Fulcher Ireland survey that was released in February indicated that as many as 9 out of 10 hospitality businesses were going to have a problem recruiting staff. And many of them linked it to the shortage of the lack of training. So, Louth and Mead publicans have been urged to sign up to the first ever apprenticeship to train a new generation of bar managers to tackle this crippling shortage of hospitality. And with us on staff, and with us on the line is Pat Crotty, who is the chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland uh, Bar Manager Apprenticeship Degree Committee. Good afternoon, Pat. How are you? Afternoon, Louise. I'm well, thank you. Now, can you explain um, where this comes from? I mean, obviously, there's an awful lot of short- staff shortages at the moment in the yeah. hospitality sector. We're after coming out of COVID. Um, I think we're all fed up with listening about COVID, but you're, you're, they really are struggling to get um, people to work in the hospitality sector. So this is a new initiative. They really are, yes. Um no, this this actually predates COVID. We were okay. working on this before COVID because this isn't just addressing the the shortages that we have now. It was actually addressing the skills shortage because yeah. we need more people. There are so many new things and different things that are, are involved in running a business now. And a bar business is a very particular type of business that um, enough other people just don't have the necessary skill to do it now. Absolutely. So they need the training. So it was about time we 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 went took it in our own hands and provided for our own people. So um, this is a this is a three year degree course that you're that you're correct. launching. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's uh, basically what we're trying to do is is not just training. Yeah, it's giving people a degree if they do the course one day a week, thirty weeks a year for for uh, three years, and obviously then they apply the learning in the in the workplace and they do their do their. Uh, uh, exams and and you get a degree which is a passport to to being more valuable to your business more valuable to the sector and making the making the whole sector stronger it's not a magic wand for the the labor shortage we have now but it's certainly going to show that if you wanted to come to work in the hospitality industry and in the bar sector in particular 
there is now a career path that was never there before. You can aspire to something better, which will give you a better living and a better life out of the industry. Yeah, it's a work-based learning programme in which apprentices yeah. will be able to work, earn and learn to be fully qualified bar managers. So it's an, it's an excellent opportunity then to, to get the skills and to earn money at the same time. Yeah, if, if, if you were working for me, I would release you one day, it'd be one of your five days, so that basically you're, you're not doing six days or you're not doing it in your own time. Mm. It's part of your working week. Uh, it's allowed for. You will get mentoring as well uh, in the workplace, so that, and all your learnings are applied in the workplace, so that you can actually see how things work or indeed don't work through your learning process. So it, it really is uh, um, a, a very good way and a very productive way to learn and it's good for the business as well as for the individual. And does the employer pay for it or is there sub- state subsidies uh, put in place? Well obviously as I said, the, the employer pays for the time off necessary for the teaching. The employer allows time to do study um, So, the, but the, there is support. There, there is a grant per student from the state and obviously um, the state supports education. So the, the, the Griffith College who are providing the the uh, actual learning process and the venues are uh, they will be supported as well in the same as any other form of education and what age group what age range is it for the apprenticeship from what age well you see given that nothing like this has existed before like if you wanted to be a hotel manager you can go get a degree in Shannon or wherever if you wanted to be a chef you can go get a degree we've never had that so so normally you would expect it to be people in, in their early 20s or whatever to be going looking for degrees but in this case we have people who are career lifers in the hospitality industry who never had an opportunity before to to round out their skills and get a piece of paper that says here is my worth here's my value to this business so th- so i would expect in the initial stage that there is going to be people of all ages applying for this and it's open to all ages. Yeah, and as you say, experience is critical um, and it's ever-changing. I mean, when you're, you're in a job now, you have to know all the all the different aspects to it. And so, as you say, the sort of regulatory framework, the legal aspects to it. So running a running a bar, is it's an awful lot more work involved. So this three-year degree will actually allow them to work um, and study at the same time. That's the idea. And as you're just saying that... I need 17 different pieces of paper to be signed and in order for me to open my door in the morning. The different, that, that means all the different licenses that I have to have in order with the state, with local government, with the environmental health, with you name it, health and safety, all sorts of different people, fire officers. There are so many different pieces of paper that have to be in order and have to be up to date. That's just on compliance. Yeah, that, and that's literally, as you say, that's literally as you open the door every yeah. morning, you have to have them in place. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. And it's been run in association with Griffin College in Dublin. Correct, yeah. Now, Griffith are not just in Dublin. They, they mm. have campuses in Limerick and Cork as well. Oh, very good. But this course will be, let's say, you, uh, if, if in the northeast there were enough students who wanted to do the course, let's say if we had a cohort of maybe about 20 in the northeast, we can run it up there. That's because great. for the most part, it, it, it doesn't require extraordinary... Uh, we don't need science labs or anything to do this course, you know. So, so we can we can bring it to the people. If we have enough people in an area, rather than than making them travel a long distance to a venue, uh, making the day longer and making it a, a, a harder proposition, we're trying to make it easy for people. So you're asking for Loud and Mead publicans to to sign up to this apprenticeship uh, to tra- to train apprenticeships. Absolutely, we'd be delighted. Um, I mean, there's some fantastic businesses up there already. 
um, some of the best in the country and, and uh, they could make themselves better. They can make their people better, mm. which will make their business better and in the long run make the whole sector better. No, absolutely. Um, Pat, thank you so much for uh, being with us this afternoon and letting us know that information. Um, it certainly sounds much. like something that something that will be of interest to a lot of people out there. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, now, Thanks, Pat. And my thanks to all our guests uh, today. We hope you enjoyed the show. And up next, Eddie Caffrey uh, with LMFM Drive. So with some great music. Talk to you tomorrow. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.